The following is a Bearded Broadcaster Productions podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Breakfast Time with Waffle and Richard. I'm your host, Richard Martin, along with William Waffle Cantor. Waffle, how's it going, Ben? Going good, man. Doing well, doing well. Another good day at work. Tough day at work, but excited to be here. Ready to talk it up. Absolutely, absolutely. Is that? time of year if you work in sports too where everything's about to happen the football season starts this week for college football officially and hey guys richard martin about here that just want to let you know that we recorded this episode on monday before episode. south carolina named their starting quarterback if you don't know their starting quarterback is graduate assistant zev nolan he'll be starting for the gamecocks against eastern illinois so this preview may be a little inaccurate but still several ideas hold the same and we still think about the same how south carolina will do against eastern illinois thank you for listening oh man Oh, man, I got on the on. Uh, Onward to Victory green jersey uh, game, Notre Dame shirt tonight. And uh, it's soft, it's comfortable, and beautiful. Wop, you got one of the newest shirts on. I got one of the newest ones, man. I got some little Boise State action going on here. Yeah. Boise State with the old Bronco logo. It's a beautiful shirt. Feels good, if I do say so myself. Beautiful Bronco. They got one that commemorates the hook and lateral statue of liberty play as well mm-hmm. at homefieldapparel.com so hey homefield you're getting this for free but come on man let's work together let's work together let's, so. let's do it it could be a beautiful relationship like i, I can know. see it now uh this week's uh, of course a uh, big new saturday I don't know if you saw it, is north carolina so we, we won't hold that against you we won't uh, hold that against you i'm really tempted because you know they give you a couple skips i'm tempted to skip it but <laughs> i think my love of just cool t-shirts like i i don't like north carolina mm-hmm. but it's probably going to be a dope shirt it's probably going to be a sick design they've got such a great color scheme it's like you know what it's going to be beautiful phil yeah. ramsey's logo is going to make an appearance probably the tar heels gonna yeah. make an appearance. it's going to be nice and i think of it probably like even if whenever they get clemson if I'm doing the big news Saturday, I'm probably going to get the shirt. Yeah. What is happening right now? <laughs> Sorry. There's some kind of ad playing. And I am very confused as to what's going on. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right, we're good. <laughs> ESPN tabs open. <laughs> just decided to start playing an ad, so sorry. We didn't. But what I was saying <laughs> is, if Clemson comes out with the shirt for Big News Saturday, and I'm still subscribing to it, I'll probably get it because it's going to be a cool design. Whatever it's going to be, yeah. I'm just not. I'm not going to wear it. <laughs> I will get it. <laughs> I mean, we talked about this North Carolina. I mean, that's one step closer to Duke. It is. It is one step closer to Duke. And that's going to go broke. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely broke. Take all my money for that. So, yeah, so home field, once again, channel's plug. Now, this week, of course, I'll set the podcast up. But, Waff, you had a fun time over in Spartanburg at Ground Zero, an awesome concert that you went to. Tell us a little about that. Yes, sir. So, yeah, first concert in, I believe, two years when you and I went to New Brooklyn Tavern in Columbia. Um, and saw Wilt Wither and a couple other bands, and good time. But this was this was awesome. It was such a fun night. It was so nice to get back out there and just get to experience live music again. Um, it was in 
uh, Spartanburg at Ground Zero, which is a place that you and I are pretty familiar with. Mm-hmm. It's small. It's intimate. It's hot. It's very, so hot. Very it's hot. unbelievably hot. There are literally like two, maybe three, just wall AC units, like no central air, just an AC unit. Mm-hmm. It's honestly terrible, but it's so great at the same time. Like I don't even know how to describe it, but it was a good time. There were four bands there. Uh, the first band was actually a band that Richard, you and I saw at New Brooklyn Tavern two years ago called Aim High. They're oh, a local yeah, band yeah. from, yeah, they were, they're from Columbia. Um, and they played and they were really good. They played about five songs and they were good, just like they were the first time we saw them. Second band that came on was a band called Fractured Frames. And they're kind of a more gent deathcore, which, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're <laughs> probably like, what are you talking about right now? <laughs> I listen to metal. Richard does as well. Um, But I listen to metal and there's so many different subgenres. I could create a separate podcast about metal, but um, (laughs) death course. So basically heavy screamed vocals. You can't understand it. They were, they were fantastic. Um, Probably the highlight of the show, the whole show, the bass player for fractured frames during their sound check, their sound check was taking years (laughs) and we're literally probably 30 minutes into it right now. And He's trying to get his bass to work, and you just hear the sound guy in the back, and he's just like, all right, bass, try it again, and he's just strumming, strumming, can't get nothing to come out. Finally, the sound comes out, and he just the crowd goes nuts. And then he looks at the crowd, and he says, all right, that was the show, and he left, and he walked <laughs> off the stage. But that was so funny. But um, And they, they were great, really surprised by them. Then Paris Bridge came out. Paris Bridge is another local band from the Spartanburg area, but it actually consists a friend of mine and Richard's named Dylan Phipps, who not only is a fantastic vocalist and guitar player, he also does a ton of cool stuff photography-wise, videography-wise. Um, he is amazing. I'm pretty sure it's just – I think it's Dylan Phipps um videography uh, if you search that you could definitely find them but we'll 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 look it up here in a second like give him the official plug here but um dylan's great at everything he does and i thought his videography and photography were good but now i got to experience his vocals live and in concert and he's amazing so much energy that he brings to the stage and paris bridge put on a fantastic show they stole the whole the whole show so yeah uh that that is phipps media f-i-p-p-s phipps media it's uh, him and his wife, and you can go to phippsmedia.com for that. You can find them on Facebook, just Phipps Media, and I believe on Instagram, at Phipps Media, F-I-P-P-S Media. So, mm-hmm. yeah, shout out to them. They do a great job, photography and video, and, you know, some of this stuff got used by the last band, and, you know, just tell yeah. us about the last band. Yeah, so the last band is a bigger band when it comes to the size of, like, Paris Bridge and them, but uh, it's a band called Attila. And even if you're not familiar with metal, you might be familiar with the singer. Uh, he goes by Franz. His name is Chris Franzak. Um, but he's big kind of just on all social medias, not necessarily just for the band, uh, but just for kind of being a more outlandish person and just like a wild, crazy guy. Uh, but they, they were awesome. They, they came out and they killed it. And I, we had seen them, I think, once at maybe like a warp tour. This is the first time I saw them like in an intimate environment like that. And they, they were fantastic. And yeah, Dylan, uh, whenever Paris Bridges set was over, he went behind stage and he was uh, taking pictures and uh, filming Attila. And he actually got his video used on Attila's Instagram post. 
Um, I believe their Instagram is Attila GA because they're from Georgia. Uh, but if you go on there, like, and you see their tour video from a couple days ago, uh, probably last Friday. Um, yeah, it would be Dylan Phipps' video, which is so cool. But it was just a great night, a hot, sweaty night. I felt like my kidneys were failing me at the end of it. Um, and then I went to QT and I ate two taquitos and some pickles and I felt great. And I rode home. It was awesome. Dinner of champions right there. Ain't it? It was, it was amazing. I drank the, had to turn up the pickle juice as well. It was great. Cause my whole body felt like it was shutting down. That's awesome, man. So yeah, that's a, that's an awesome concert. It's great to see concerts back. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I think that is the last concert I went to was that one with Wilder with you. I can't even think of the yeah. last one. That and then before that was the two times that we saw Fit for a King in 2018. Yep, I think so. I think at one point there's a stop in there. I went with my boss in Kennesaw to see. Um, oh yeah, you saw Senses Fail. Yeah, yeah they're they were really fun. Um, but yeah, that, it's been a while since I've seen concert. So hopefully, we can get to do that some more. But yeah, it's awesome. Also, shout out to Hayden Peterson because he just kills it. He follows around Dylan Parish Bridge, and he's the sweatiest young boy you'll see at every single show they're at. Um, He also makes videos and stuff. So, yeah, just uh, shout to him. Yeah, their whole crew, uh, Hogan Davidson being another one. Um, Him and Dylan have a lot of stuff that they make together as well. Hogan is actually uh, TikTok famous as well. So, I think his name is Milkweed. Something like that. I can't remember. And the two E's in weed or threes. Something like that. But he's he's pretty famous on uh, TikTok for his tattoo reviews. So if you got some crappy tattoos, send them over to him and he'll probably roast you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, glad to see a lot of our friends killing it and doing great things as well. And they actually t- tuned into the podcast last week as well. So we thank them for the support. So now we're going to get back into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. It is college football week one. Woo. Week zero was last week. Um, not a whole lot really happened except uh, Nebraska lost again. Mm. Illinois, um, it shame. was a lot worse. It's thirty to nine, or yeah, thirty to nine at one point. Yeah, and Adrian Martinez, God bless him, he tried his hardest, but yes, there's no helping that team right now because mm-hmm. they looked lost. And I don't know if you saw the comments today from Scott Frost. They had his press conference today after um practice or before practice, and he said. Yeah, our entire half our game plan went out the window when Illinois lined up in that defensive alignment on the first play. How I how are you not prepared? How can for, you how can you do that? Yeah. It's one, that's something you should never say. Two, right. how do you not prepare for this? Because it's a conference game. It's not like it's like someone you've never played before or something like that. Right. You played them last year. Right. And I get it's a new coach and all that stuff. You should know somewhat. <laughs> All right. When so. you are on the hot seat, like I think Scott Frost is, you can't come out after your first game and say things <laughs> like that. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Scott Frost, uh, has that was loss number 27 for him at Nebraska. And I believe this is fourth year. Bo Pelini his entire time at 27 losses. And they fired him because he wasn't getting the job done. Right. This is not what Scott Frost was brought here to do. Exactly. So You said it last week. Yep. So you now, like I said, five and seven, that's probably your peak right now. Yeah. Unless you can upset somebody. And Adrian Martinez is a good quarterback, I think. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. It's just a shame that he's stuck. And he he stuck it out. I'll give it up for him. But that's just uh that's just a rough look. 
Yeah. So last week I talked about I asked about Taylor Martinez, who was a Nebraska quarterback. Mm-hmm. I had the name wrong. I was actually I was asking about Adrian Martinez because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like he's been there a long time as well. I think this um, is I think this is his fourth year, and he's probably got an extra one because yeah. this COVID year. He may stay, he may not. So right. But shout out to Taylor Martinez back in the day. I think he was the quarterback when they played Carolina in the Capital One Bowl or something, but he was there and he was good as well under Bo Pelini. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just this point. Um, also, UConn went out to Fresno and got Molly Walk, 45-0. Um, mm-hmm. This game's over at halftime. Fresno has a good quarterback. Shocker. Yeah. Jake Hayner. Yep. Three touchdown passes. Um, UCLA rolls over Hawaii. And, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson didn't look great, but they're running back. My goodness. He only had six carries, three touchdowns, 103 yards. Yeah. So, that's – hey, you don't need your quarterback to be accurate when you can do that. So – Right. We're going to talk about later about UCLA and LSU, but, you know, does that give you any – that maybe give you a little more confidence in UCLA next week? Yeah. LSU? I mean, it's, it's got to do something. I just – I can't – I can't get over just Chip Kelly being Chip Kelly. Like, his return to the Pac-12 after his beautiful stint with Oregon has been anything but the same. It's been terrible. And he – I'm surprised he's still – floating around with head coaching jobs. I figured he would have been demoted back to like a coordinator or something yeah. by now. But he just – I can't – I just don't – he's obviously on the hot seat as well. Like, he is going to be just like Scott Frost this year. Like, he's had plenty of opportunities. Like, you got to figure something out, especially at a school like UCLA. Like, it shouldn't be that hard to get things together down there, especially with the market that he's in. Mm-hmm. By the way, it was, I don't know if you saw any of that game. The crowd was horrible for that one. I, don't, I think there's some restrictions in Los Angeles, of course. Yeah. Oh, there were maybe 5,000 people at this game. No, so yeah. See, I didn't cared. I didn't get to actually watch any of these games, so I do apologize about that. But I, I was buying a car, and it just took me forever. <laughs> so, I did not get to watch college football Saturday, which I'm not happy about. But my weekend is absolutely clear this weekend. So. Awesome. But yeah, no, there was not a whole lot of people. That was also um that running back's name was uh Zach Charbonnet, three yeah. touchdowns and 103 yards on six carries. So it's pretty good. Um other thing I mean, NC Central, they were picked to lose by 17 and they knocked off Alcorn State 23 to 14. Yeah. Um, did it with a lot of quarterback runs with Davius Richard. I mean, two rushing touchdowns, and you know, they might be better than that four and eight record. We'll see. And that's a big time upset for them and getting them back in the right direction. And then, of course, uh, this is my team, San Jose State, defending Mountain West champions. Uh, Nick Starkle is their quarterback from Arkansas. You may remember him. Yep. And he had a great year last year. This year, um, they knocked off Southern Utah 45 to 14. They have a running back. Man, I can't remember his name. I got to find his name. But Tyler Nevins? Yes, Tyler Nevins was described by Spencer Hall of Moon Crew as, quote, a golden corral of a man. <laughs> Just short and squatty and running over people like it was nothing. It was awesome to watch. Uh, that's I the main it. reason I stayed up and watched that game, just to watch him run the ball, because it was hilarious. I could mess with some golden crowd right now. Like <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I could. Fat steak with some mashed potatoes and just, like, fried shrimp and – then some ice cream or something. <laughs> Just a terrible meal, but Absolutely. you know, and and the quality's really not there. But dang it, there's a lot of it. You can have as much as you want. Exactly. So yeah. Also, uh, if you've ever watched the San Jose State game, they're renovating their stadium. I'm pretty sure they've been renovating the stadium for about six years now. Um, yeah. It's hilarious. They only have one. They have like a, a 
curb in their in their stands. They have no stands on the, the away side right now because they've been redoing it, and they I think it's taken them forever because of COVID, and they've been raising the money and all that stuff. So it's yeah. a unique experience to watch San Jose State Spartans, but they done a really good job. And this is a team a few years ago that was like going two and nine every year. So yeah, see them back up again last year. Might say it's a fluke year. They went seven and one, but still, that's a big turnaround from what they were. So. Yeah, for sure. Fun to see them. Um, then also last week, this ties in Eastern Illinois played last week, uh, lost to Indiana State Sycamores 26 21. That leads into this week, South Carolina Gamecock football is back, waffle, and there is a legit uh, amount of excitement coming yeah. out of Columbia with Shane Beamer, new staff. Um, like we talked about, of course, you know, last week, Doty, will he be ready mm-hmm. in time? Will he play? Yeah. Um, Got a lot of new faces on this team. But, again, start off with Eastern Illinois. That game, by the way, is at 7 o'clock on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Um, You got a good game to start off with. I think you're Shane Beamer. That's all you can ask for is just a game where you can kind of see what your team has. Hey, guys. Richard Martin here. Just want to let you know that we recorded this episode on Monday before South Carolina named their starting quarterback. If you don't know, their starting quarterback is graduate assistant Zeb Noland. He'll be starting for the Gamecocks against Eastern Illinois. So, this preview may be a little inaccurate, but still, several ideas hold the same, and we still think about the same how South Carolina will do against Eastern Illinois. Thank you for listening. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm excited, like we talked about last week. The, the renewed optimism surrounding South Carolina football is fresh and it feels good. And it's, it's just nice to have um, for once in the past five, six years. But um, I'm, just, I'm just excited to watch these kids play, man. And then we didn't, I didn't talk uh, much about them or at all last week about anybody on the defense. But Carolina does have a couple guys, mm-hmm. um, especially one guy that is picked to uh, wreak some havoc back there in the backfield and his. Um, He's a defensive end. It's Enigbare. He has been there for a couple of years, but he has uh, really emerged. And because this coming into his final year, I think he's really going to be good. Um, they've definitely talked a lot about him. Uh, Kingsley Enigbare is his name, but a six-four defensive end, two hundred sixty-five pounds, is out of Atlanta, Georgia. Had a solid year last year. You know, he's always been there, kind of one of the better players. But this year, I think he's picked. Uh, all SEC, maybe uh, team two, I think. But I think that our defensive line is going to be very strong. But we literally only have one guy returning in our secondary. Mm. And um, it was the one guy that I did not like at all. Mm. So it's R.J. Roderick coming back, a senior from Somerville. And just we're going to have a lot of new faces on defense. So this will be a good game to start off with to see you know, kind of how they're going to mesh on defense and all that. And then I haven't heard anything different as of right now as far as who's going to be starting at quarterback. As far as I still know, Luke Doty is still questionable. And then um, we have the other guys that could possibly get in there and play that I talked about last week. So, I I mean, I think South Carolina is going to come out here. Um, I think they're going to play a good game. I think they should for sure be able to get a win. if I had to predict anything, I'd probably say South Carolina wins by three or three, four touchdowns or more. Hopefully, I mean, who knows? Savings, even in South Carolina's good years, even when South Carolina was going eleven and two, they'd struggle with Walford and they'd be tied going into the fourth quarter, which was a legit thing one year, and we won twenty four to seven. But yeah, uh, it's going to be a good game. Seven o'clock. It's going to be on ESPN Plus and SEC Network Plus. 
Um, so, I mean, if you are a South Carolina fan, that's where you can watch it. And it's gonna also going to be going on during Clemson and Georgia. So, I will have the two TV set up going um, ready to watch it. But I am excited. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I watched a little bit of Eastern Illinois game, and they just could not get the edge set on offensive line against Indiana State. And like you talked yeah. about, that defensive line for Carolina is so good. Yeah, um, They should have a field day stopping the run. And Eastern Illinois passing-wise wasn't great. So, they're really a run-first offense. So, it should – I mean, 45-7, I'm thinking, something like that. If the yeah. offense can get going, maybe at the late worst, 35-7, something like that. If the offense yeah. is just struggling. Um, you have Kevin Harris in the backfield. Yeah. Who's probably the one of the best run backs in the entire SEC, which is right. something. He had the most yards last year, so. Yeah. I'll, before we talk about running backs, the quarterback for um, Eastern Illinois, Coons, he threw two picks, one of those being – a pick six. So that was ended up being costing them the game pretty much because they lost by what five. Yep. And so, you know, that I think they're, they are going to be like a more of a run first kind, but it looks like he might try to fire the ball in there, but maybe he'll be a little gunshot after throwing two picks. Now they gave up a lot of rushing yards. It looks like Indiana state um, didn't pass for, but like 87 yards mm-hmm. and they come out and they have a, like five or six guys that ran the football. So, that spells well for South Carolina with the likes of Kevin Harris coming off his SEC leading year um, in yards. And also, finally, we get to see the debut of freshman, uh, highly talented recruit Marshawn Lloyd, who last year um, had a season ending injury before the season started. So we never get to saw it, or so we never got to see him. Um, and I mean, if he is, if he comes out and he can be every, um, every bit as good as he's built. The duo of him and Kevin Harris is going to be something lethal, and I don't care who you are um, and what you think about South Carolina. Like, South Carolina can suck, but those two guys are going to be amazing as long as Marshawn Lloyd comes out here and he can, you know, play like he's built to. Because Kevin Harris is amazing. I think Kevin Harris is going to have a fantastic season. Yeah, and looking at this EIU box score, they take a lot of time to score when they did for the most part. Um, They had one drive lasted six minutes. They had another drive. Um, the last only two minutes and 87 yards, almost got, they got a big play on that one. But they had a drive at the end that lasted uh, – it was 19 plays, lasted 10 minutes and 20 seconds in the fourth quarter. So, uh, that's an offense that doesn't take a while to get going. And if South Carolina can just knock them off the field, they should have no problem. And, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. I think, you know, again, this South Carolina team, it's a great game for Shane Beamer, like I said, to kind of see what you have before you have to head to such a tough environment at ECU next week. Yeah, um, and see what you've got with your team, and you know, there, there's no pressure on Shane Beamer at all. It's just, just be better than Will Muschamp, <laughs> right? Just, Which, just be at this point shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, as long as he, you know, um, keeps his recruiting up and keep keeps the hype up for the future. But one thing I am really excited about about this week too is I'm excited to see exactly what we're going to do at the wide receiver spot because we've got Jalen Brooks who was a transfer from Wingate. Um, and he last year had a lot of hype, but obviously we went two and eight. We were bad. So, I mean, it's hard to see um, necessarily all the good in him. But he's coming in senior season, um, so he'll be one of the receivers. And also, DeKirion Joyner, who, you know, was a phenom quarterback mm-hmm. in high school at Fort Dorchester in South Carolina. Only lost three games, all three games as – or, excuse me, only lost three games as a starter. Mm-hmm. All three games were to Dutch Fort, who is uh, – if you're from South Carolina, you know exactly who that is. Uh, a powerhouse so uh, a fantastic quarterback got up here 
did play quarterback. He was the uh, guy who led Carolina <laughs> against Georgia when we beat him in Sanford Stadium a couple years ago. In 18 straight rushing plays, but they won. <laughs> right. I mean, but he's he's been fully transformed into a wide receiver, played, uh, you know, sparingly last year at the position. But, I mean, now he's with Shy Smith going like he's going to be getting a lot of playing time, and I'm excited to see what he can do as well. I was excited to see Nick Muse too. I think he could have a breakout year after mm-hmm. last year, you know, kind of being up and down. I think he he's one of the best, better tight ends in the SEC. So that's always a good yeah. option to dump yeah. off to. Another receiver, or Trey Smith, mm-hmm. uh, had flashes when he was a freshman, but he has been so injury riddled yeah. that he is hard to see in the field. Hopefully, he can have a full season, um, no injuries, anything like that, and have or Trey Smith come out here. I'll be excited to watch him play as well. Absolutely. Excited for the first Todd Ellis call of the year as well. Just yeah. to hear. Gosh. Todd Just Ellis. to hear him, man. God bless. Yeah, Touchdown, Carolina. Fun. Touchdown, Kevin Harris. Your impression's so good, man. It's, ah, thanks. I, it's are you kidding me? <laughs> I freaking hate Todd Ellis. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I love Suggs. Suggs, oh, his, his color guy is amazing. Like the, the Missouri call. Like I watched this game again the other day, <laughs> Missouri game from 2013, where yeah. South comes all the way back and beats them at, on the road in Missouri's ranked number five when they miss a field goal. He misses the field goal, and uh, Suggs just completely oversteps Todd Ellis. Like yeah. it ain't nothing. He's just like, he missed it. <laughs> and I'm just like, so what are you doing, bro? And freaking Todd Ellis loses his mind. The game cops get the win on the road. It's, they it's still one in Columbia. Like, if you ever just kind of browse through radios, South Carolina radio up is up there's one of the most entertaining, if nothing else. If anything, go right now, stop the video, come back to it, watch the hit, Todd Ellis's call when DJ Swearinger commits two flags in a row <laughs> against Arkansas and then picks off the quarterback, takes it to the house for six, throws the ball in the stands. And Suggs is like, oh, he's probably going to get another 15-yard penalty. And Tidell says, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> that is awesome. And I actually like that a lot. <laughs> Swearinger was just built different, though. Absolutely. So, um, we'll move on from one team, Sacramento, to the other team up on the upstate. Clemson goes to Charlotte for the college game day game. Huge game against Georgia in the Dukes-Mayo kickoff classic. And uh, I was watching the ACC football road trip the other night, and they were at Clemson. And, you know, it's – I keep forgetting they have changed the offense once again here. And that's what they've done with their quarterbacks, it looks like. They changed it first with Taj Boyd. With Jeff Scott got in, it was more of a read option. They kept it kind of like that with Deshaun Watson. But they made it more of quick passes and, you know, a lot of those jet sweep passes. And then they changed it again for Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. Um, Kelly Bryant was more of a run – more kept that more run offense after he left. Trevor Lawrence was – Kind of a gunslinger. They let him throw it deep. Now, DJ, the young delay, they're going to let him throw it deep too, but he's going to run. And there was an article, once again, by Spencer Hall that said Clemson did the most upstate South Carolina thing you could do. They took one giant truck and upgraded to another giant truck at quarterback because DJ's huge. Yeah, he uh, is. Six foot four, 240 pounds, Cam Newton esque, and he can run it. Um, and you saw that flashes last year. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see, but man, the biggest game changer for him is that Justin Ross is back. Yes, it is because Justin Ross had to miss last year because he had to have surgery on his neck. Hopefully, he can you know stay healthy for the entire year. But man, he had 800 yard receiving yards his freshman year, a thousand his sophomore year, 
was the game changer for a lot of those Clemson teams. And now with him and all the other receivers Clemson has, it's going to be great. The big question, of course, for Clemson is going to be running back. Yeah. Travis Etienne was so explosive. It's hard to beat that. And in games last year where Clemson could not run the ball, that's the games they struggled in or the games they lost. Yep. Because against Notre Dame the first time, they lost because ETN struggled. Against Ohio State, they lost because ETN struggled. And against Boston College, Boston College stayed in it because they couldn't get ETN going. Right. So, it's going to be interesting. Like, still have Lynn J. Dixon, who mm-hmm. has shown explosiveness, not the same as Travis ETN, but they're real high on this Will Shipley kid. He's from yes, uh, Weddington High School in North Carolina. They say he's impressed a lot. They say he could be like a Travis ETN in the future with just yeah. his giftiness, but he's also got some power. So I'll be interested to see if he gets in early. And then defensively, you return to all 10 starters. The one you yeah. have is going to be on the other sideline. Um, but James Skalski, he's been there for six years, which is wild. He is an old man. Yeah. <laughs> but he is the quarterback of that defense. And when he left against Ohio State, you saw them look kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, against, looking against Justin Fields. And so mm-hmm. got to keep him in. And he will – and I, I think this defense is great, but this is a very good Georgia team with JT Daniels now. Once he got cleared last year, that was a whole completely different team. Yeah. Because uh, Georgia's offense looked so bad before he came in. Because I think, mm-hmm. like, they struggled against Alabama, and then they played Kentucky, and they could not move the ball. Yeah. And it was raining, and I get that and all that stuff, but Kentucky's defense has never been great. And they, they put him in the next week against Vanderbilt again it's Vanderbilt I get it but he just had a heck of a game and he is um one of the best quarterbacks that's why I, I put him up last week as one of my Heisman favorites so it'll be interesting um uh, Georgia's defense is always good I feel like but again we talked about too you get Georgia early in the year and they have some suspensions I haven't heard of any this year <laughs> yeah so. I haven't either surprisingly it's very surprising maybe they uh just <laughs> they've stayed in Athens and just haven't done anything with COVID and stuff but <laughs> right um, this is going to be a high-scoring game, I think, because it's week one. Defense is still going to try to figure stuff out. Both quarterbacks are great. Like I said, it's going to come down to whoever has the last possession, I think. Yeah. Um, Georgia always has a pretty good kicker, too. Clemson has BT Potter, who has been up and down, but was more consistent last year. How many years has he been there? I think this is finally his senior year. I think this is his fourth year, but he's been there a while. And it seems like it's been forever. Mm-hmm. So, if it comes down to a field goal, I give the edge slightly to Georgia because it's just the history. But BT Potter has been consistent as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a wild game. That's at 7.30 on ABC. Uh, also, College Game Day will be in Charlotte at 9 a.m. on ESPN yeah. on Saturday. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to see just exactly what this new offense looks like for Clemson and just the defense can uh, handle this explosive Georgia offense. Yeah. I'm really excited to watch Darion Kendrick play for Georgia, specifically in this game, just given the fact that he was a Clemson Tiger for the past couple of years. And given the fact that, you know, he he had his moments as a Clemson Tiger. He also, he had his share of boneheaded uh, Mm -hmm. plays and mistakes, but um, he's a freak athlete. Obviously, he's he's from a high school that we know very well in South Point um, High School in South Carolina that has produced talent among talent among talent. Mm-hmm. But 
I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm, I'm interested to see who gets the upper hand. I'm interested to see if Justin Ross is going to torch him, which is probably going to happen once or twice, yeah. or maybe Darion Kendrick gets picks off DJ once or twice. I'm just I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm ready to watch that battle, see the tempers fly, and see a little some edge. Yeah, it's going to be a wild one. Clemson and Georgia usually have had uh, usually have pretty good matchups in the past. Of course, they had that classic in 2013 in Clemson. Uh, where Taj Boyd was quarterback. They had one in 2014. wasn't as great, but that was um, Cole Stout was the quarterback for that one for Clemson. Yeah. Clemson was still figuring quarterback stuff out at that point um, before Deshaun Watson came in and took yeah. over and changed that program. So, interesting to see. Um, the one thing I hate about this is that neutral site. And, like, neutral site games have their moments. I get it. I like them. But, like, man, it's just something different about it being at Georgia or at Clemson be a lot cooler but well i mean it's in charlotte right yeah it's basically a home game for clemson because they exactly. play there every year exactly <laughs> not like it's not like clemson's not uh, yeah it's unfamiliar with the stadium yeah, it's not exactly. like they're gonna it's not like they're not gonna play week one here and they're also gonna play again later in the year when they make it to the ACC title game it's weird too that like clemson and georgia are not that far away from each other they're maybe an hour away from each other yeah it's and, really not far and they're moving them further well or further east yeah that's kind of a weird situation. I mean, I would have put them in Atlanta, but there's another game in Atlanta that we'll talk about later, which yeah. is, could be interesting. Um, but this one, I yeah. Mean, if you wanted to, like, split the difference, we could just play at, like, Elberton High School or something <laughs> in Georgia. <laughs> we got to play on Lake Hartwell. The winner yeah. gets Lake Hartwell. <laughs> just have ESPN go all out and make a make a floating field out there. <laughs> That'd be beautiful. You fall in the lake, you can't come in for another five minutes. <laughs> You see Darren Kendrick just pushing Justin Ross as hard as he can. <laughs> like. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, fun game up in Charlotte. Um, tickets were insanely priced, man. I was wanting to go, but not for those prices. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's a lot more fun to watch from home. But, yeah, it's going to be a crazy game. going to be a fun game. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it affects the playoff too much because I think Georgia can still get in if they went out. Clemson definitely could still get in if they went out. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, it'll be a fun game. It'll be a very fun game with a lot of future NFL talent in there. Um, so, I got a random question. Mm-hmm. I, I had the Clemson roster pulled up. Yeah. Is Pomachon, did he not transfer? No, he got hurt. Oh, what quarterback transferred from Clemson? There was one, right? Yeah, there was. I, I thought know. I I thought it was him, but he's listed no, on here. Pomachon so I guess I was, was hurt, and he's actually going to be available, which is surprising. Yeah. Um, because he got hurt pretty bad. Yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I cannot remember it. Cause it's Uyangale, Pamachong, and then um Hunter Helms. Hunter Helms, who had one of the greatest passes of all time against Ajo Ajo, and it didn't count against Georgia Tech, but then he came back and threw another one to him, which was fantastic. Yeah. Um <laughs> shout out Greg Collegiate in West Columbia. Yeah. Uh oh, Will Taylor, the baseball player. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah, he got drafted. So ah, he's yeah. still listed on here as well. But yeah, he's still listed on there. Um, yeah, I'm probably I'm taking him off. But yeah, he was the guy. I believe he's the one that got drafted to the Pirates. I think. I know he played baseball at Dutch Fork too, and they're thinking about. And was, oh no, no, it was um Bubba Chandler. Bubba Chandler. Will Taylor stayed. Bubba Chandler got drafted by the Pirates. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They had two quarterbacks that got drafted, but Will Taylor stayed. So. Yeah, interesting situation. We can talk Clemson baseball and how much they frustrate me all the later time. 
Um, so yeah, college football continues week one. It starts on Thursday and really the biggest game on Thursday. You got some pretty big games. I mean, you have a uh, temple and Rutgers is a game that's happening. It's something. Yeah. Um, you have East, ECU and app state in the first game of the Duke's Mayo kickoff. That's going to be, I think that's going to be a pretty fun one. Interesting to see what, uh, ECU does. Yeah, it's a pretty good App State team, but yeah, that'll, that'll be good for Carolina as well, as considering they're going to ECU in week two. Yep, and but big game I think is going to be this one in the Big Ten. Ohio State goes to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Ohio State's got a brand new quarterback, C.J. Stroud. He played some last year, had a rushing touchdown against Michigan State, mm-hmm. but you really don't know a whole lot about him. But they're saying he he's already got Heisman odds. Yeah, and, I mean, Ohio State's going to roll out some good quarterback. Yeah, they're just going to reload that, that position every year, no doubt. Exactly. Uh, but this is a Minnesota team under P.J. Fleck, you know, that's been pretty good. Yeah, they still have Tanner Morgan. He's been there yep. for forever yep. as a great quarterback. Um, you still have a good wide receiver core, but your defense has – I think they lost a lot on defense. And it's kind of like when you go up against Ohio State who – Runs a no huddle, runs up tempo, which is way different than any Big Ten team. Yeah. Um, Got to be ready for that. And then Ohio State's also going to run out of very good defense as well. So this will be an interesting game. Um, glad to see the Golden Gophers get some love on national TV as well. That'll be mm-hmm. on Fox on Thursday. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think Ohio State, you know, should handle business in this one. This one might be, you know, close going to the third and the fourth, and then Ohio State pulls away. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm excited to see C.J. Stroud. You know, uh, Ohio State, again, I'm not an Ohio State fan, but I always have a quarterback that I like for some reason every year. Um, I just like watching them play. And yeah. I think C.J. Stroud is probably going to be the next one for them. Oh, yeah. I think Ohio State, I'm interested to watch him as, as well as you. Um, but I just, I'm ready to watch Master Teague get back out there and run Absolutely. the football. And then the wide receiver, Chris, is it Olave? Olave, yeah. Olave, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Chris Olave, him back out there with Master Teague. And then if CJ Stroud could be as good as he's built, I mean, that's a, that's a new big three and they're going to cause, uh, or wreak a lot of havoc in the Big Ten for sure. And he still got a good secondary. There, Demario McCall was very good against Clemson. So was Cameron Kittle, who's mm-hmm. only a sophomore. So this is still a very good Ohio State team that's probably going to win the Big Ten again. Yeah. Seeing if nothing happens to them. Uh, unless you know, maybe Indiana could sneak up home field. Hmm. Hmm. Gladly plug the Hoosiers. Um, but then you <laughs> get the Friday. Friday, there's some pretty good games on here. The interesting one to me, Duke is going to Charlotte to play. Yeah. That's an interesting one uh, to see. Well, that'll probably be the most packed game for Charlotte's history. I think that's the first time they've ever hosted a Power 5 team at home. So Yeah. I got a guy down here. Um, he's from – technically, he is from um, – it's from McCormick County. And his sons he, – he's got two sons – one son is uh, Mateo Durant, who is the running back for Duke. Mm-hmm. And they're from little old McCormick, South Carolina. And he has another son um, who is currently, I think, a sophomore, a junior at McCormick. And that kid is unreal. But that's another story. But he came in to Enterprise the other day. He's actually renting a car to go up to to uh, to, to go to the game. And he told yeah. me – and I, I knew who he was and I know um, – know his son played at Duke and he was I was like oh where's the game are you going up to Durham and he was like no we're going to Charlotte and I was like 
oh my God, y'all are playing at Charlotte. It was, it was so crazy to me. But I mean, Duke is what it is. Duke's only a six and a half point favorite for yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte is not a horrible team. Last year was weird to look at them because I think they played like one game and then they didn't play again for like a month because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So they were a weird, they had a weird season last year. By the way, Gardner Webb, Maya Meyer will go up to Charlotte the next week uh, on September mm-hmm. 11th. So that'll be kind of a game to watch on my end. Um, I think I'm actually going to that game. I don't know if I told you that. I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I think I got one yeah. day. I would go to that one. But yeah, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting game, I think, just to see what Duke has and um, what the Niners can do. Also, have Michigan State and Northwestern. That game will be nine to six. Yep, that's about all I can tell you about that game. I'm le- disappointed. It's at nine p.m. and not nine a.m. Yeah, it's it's uh, wow, it's Look not on par for the night. Big Ten. They're trying to be late night Pac-12, and they can't take that away from us. <laughs> it's not going to be the same. No, no, um, but. Big game on Friday. It's at a weird time, 6 o'clock, but it's going to be a good one. North Carolina and Virginia Tech. We talked about mm-hmm. Sam Howell last week. This could be his year. This is a good North Carolina team. A lot of people, mm-hmm. including me, doubted when they hired back Mac Brown. I was like, this is just, you know, yeah. to get people to come to the games because nobody shows up to their games and they're not going to matter and all this stuff. They'll just go 6-6 six and six again. But then Sam Howell came through, and he has developed into one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. You have a great wide receiving core, Bo Corrales, as your lead wide receiver for the um, uh, Tar Heels. Um, it's a great offense, and they will go score in bunches on you if you're not mm-hmm. ready. Yeah, I am so excited to watch this game. Just because, I, just because I talked about Sam Howell a lot last week, I'm so ready to watch them play. They got that preseason number 10 ranking, see if they can hold that up. And this is also um, a big opportunity for Virginia Tech as well. Mm-hmm. Taking down North Carolina would be huge for them. Yeah. But I think Justin Fuente um, is definitely another coach that you he's got to perform. Mm-hmm. He's got to do something. And this will be a heck of a start to get him off to a good to, – um, to get him off on the right foot for the season. Uh, it is a tough test, though, against North Carolina team, who I think is going to be really good. But I am very excited to watch this game. And last year, you know, Virginia Tech had their chances to make some noise in the ACC and nationally, but they lost to Liberty, who was ranked. They had a blocked field goal, and Justin Fuente called a timeout because he didn't think he yes. had the right personnel on. They did. And Liberty yep. gets another chance and wins the game on a field goal. They lose to Miami by one point. Yep. It was ranked number nine, and they – they lost to Clemson 45 to 10 was the final. That game was 17 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. Uh, in Blacksburg, but they had an in- injury to the quarterback and just everything went downhill from there for the Hokies. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the spread's only five and a half. So it's going to be, I think, a close game. It's the first game of the year, too. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, Fuente is that, that seat's warming up in Blacksburg. And I get it. You're going from Frank Beamer to a new coach all right but i mean braxton burmeister last year and times he played looked really good as a quarterback and i think you know if he gets an actual season he can develop into something pretty well yeah so yeah that that's going to be a good one um there's five days of acc football by the way this weekend which is fantastic as an acc Mm -hmm. fan because you never know what's going to get to acc sometimes there's one game that's going to be just 
amazing that we'll talk about. But you get the Saturday. Um, your noon slate has changed a bit. Um, Oklahoma and Tulane were supposed to play in New Orleans. Of course, Hurricane Ida comes through. Mm-hmm. And Tulane's not going back to school, I think, until October now is what they've said. Mm. So, luckily, I think they don't start till after Labor Day, though. So, luckily, the only people on campus were athletes, I believe, which is good. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tulane's going to be on the road with a home game, quote-unquote, against Oklahoma, which is nice for Oklahoma to do that. But that stinks for them because that was going to be a big-time game for Tulane. Yeah, it was. Get all those people into that new stadium they have. Mm-hmm. And be their old ABC would be on national TV. But yep. glad to see them play. Of course, I, of course, I want to see Spencer Rattler play again, get to see what he can do against the Tulane team. And, you know, I don't think Tulane's going to upset them, but Tulane's always a fun team to watch. So Yeah, for sure. They had some – some very good games last year. Yeah. Um, also at your noon slate, um, oh, you get UConn on national TV again. Oh, man. I, we Holy talked Cross. about last week, man. I mean, they got they got a slate. CBS Sports Network is milking that UConn yeah. contract. Yeah. Uh, you get to see Nebraska again against Fordham. Um, mm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, your noon slate's not a whole lot, but this one's going to be fun. I think Penn State and Wisconsin – Playing at yes. noon, that's the big noon Saturday game. Gus Johnson will be on the call for that yeah. one on Fox. Mm. What a man. That's just going to be two, you know, big, meaty men bumping meat. Two hard-nosed teams running right into each other. Big 10 football. The score is going to be like 15 to 10. The over-under is only 50. <laughs> that tells yeah. you how this game is going to be played. Um, yeah. Penn State, I don't know how they're ranked because they're coming off the worst season ever. And Penn State's been playing football for a long time. But they got better as the year got along, I will admit. Sean Clifford, I think, can be a good quarterback. Noah Kane's a good running back for them. But they just got to have some some dogs on defense. I don't think they do. Has been there, and that's been their problem, I think. Because usually you think about yeah. there's all the great DBs and great linebackers that have come from Penn State. And I can't yeah. look at this roster. It's really not a whole lot of names I can – sit there and i recognize yeah so but yeah I, I think that game's gonna be really good as well camp randall's gonna be uh nuts mm-hmm. it's gonna be so good getting up for that 12 o'clock game uh weather should be weather looks like it should be pretty good so should be a very good game i i'm interested to watch wisconsin you know wisconsin's always got a, a fantastic offensive line probably got a good running back some good skill players and then they just got – they just strut out pretty much whoever they want at quarterback, and he just kind of flies under the radar. But he's usually pretty good. Yeah, they still have Graham Mertz. He's only a sophomore, so – and he's done very yeah. good. Also, their backup quarterback is Danny Vandenboom. Vandenboom. Love he's it. A, he's also six foot five, which is awesome. Um, they have a transfer from Clemson, Ches Malusi, at running back. And Malusi got in mm. some last year and did pretty well. So, hopefully you see him. But they also have uh, Isaac Garendo, our – Garendo, I can't. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but he was he was pretty good last year. So yeah, this is um, you know, your stereotypical Wisconsin team that's going to pound the ball at you and then they'll throw it over the top when mm-hmm. you're not looking. So yeah, this will be a fun one. This will be probably again low score in week one, also Big Ten, but it's going to be a good one to watch um, on the noon slate. Wisconsin's favored by five and a half in that one, yeah. so should be a close one. Computer is not wanting to work for me. Good. Yeah. But as far as 
the rest of Saturday goes. Two o'clock, you got Fresno State at Oregon, and that Jake Hayner, the quarterback for Fresno State, played very well last week, throwing for 331 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, we'll see how he can do against Oregon coming in with their number 11 national ranking. And Oregon has uh, a guy that is their the defensive end, and I can't – think of his name. I'm looking at it right now. Kayvon Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. This kid is uh, going to be unreal. They're talking about him possibly getting in there for Heisman stuff, like if he <laughs> you know, could get in there with – have some kind of unreal season, like 18 and a half or 19 sacks in yeah. Oregon, you know, have the re- good record, win the Pac-12 and all that. Only a sophomore. This kid's unreal. Um, so be on the watch out for him, and he'll probably be getting to uh, Jake – uh, Hainer pretty often. Yeah. I feel like the past few years, you know, Oregon's had, of course, they had Marks Mario, they had Justin Herbert. I feel like mm-hmm. their defense has stepped up the past few years because, you know, normally you used to hear about their great offense. Now you just hear about their defense. So, yeah. Done a great job past few years getting a defense mm-hmm. built up and interesting to see that. Um, move up to 330. I forgot to mention at noon, you have Army and Georgia State. Now, the reason I mentioned that is, that's the first of a triple header in downtown Atlanta. Mm. And it goes from the south side of town to the north side of town. You start at noon, you can go to the Georgia State and Army over at Center Park Stadium, Old Turner Field. Yeah. And then at 3.30, you can go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium to see Miami and Alabama play. Oh, what a game that's going to be. And that's going to be – I think it's going to be an interesting game. Bryce Young was just officially named the starter and quarterback for mm-hmm. Alabama. And if it's an Alabama quarterback, that's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, they're there for a reason. The Eric King is hopefully back and healthy this this year. And when he's on, he is on. We talked about him last week and how we'd love to see him um, be back in his form. I just want to say there's a backup quarterback for Alabama named Stone Hollenback. How is he not the starter? Start him immediately. Yes. He, and he's also from Catawissa, Pennsylvania. <laughs> What are you doing, Saban? Like, gosh, let us do your job because you don't know how to do it, apparently. Ignore all the rings. <laughs> no, this is an Alabama team that just they – re- they like Clemson. They reload. They're going to have some freak of an athlete at wide receiver that's going to just destroy everything. They still have Trayshawn Holden, who did very well last year. They still have um, Chris Heron, who is a – Solid wide receiver that they'll throw to. They still have John Mechie. Yeah. Out there. And then defensively, they're just going to make you hate life. They have Justin Boyge is still in, is still out there. Um, fate, hold on. Fadrian Mathis, I believe that's the yeah, how you say his name. On defensive line. This, yeah, this team is just going to go out there. Kyle Floyd's still there. They're just going to go out there and just you know, make you hate life for a while. Yeah. And they also got the transfer from Tennessee. I don't know if you remember Henry 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He transferred and he was the best player on Tennessee defense, transferred to Alabama. So there's another player they just added to their arsenal. Right. Along with Jordan Battle on defense. So, yeah, this is going to be a team that this is going to be a game. You're going to learn who a lot of guys are. I think Miami can keep it close. Yeah. And keep it close. Alabama's picked the win by 18 and a half. I Miami, I think, can cover that if the Eric King is on and stays and stays healthy. Yeah. I mean, I could see like a 31 to 17, something like that. 
Yeah, because, I mean, Alabama struggled in those early games. You remember a few years ago in the same Chick-fil-A kickoff, Duke was only down a little bit at halftime to Alabama, and Alabama ended up pulling away, of course. But Duke stayed in it for a half, which is longer than I think a lot of people had Duke staying in it, and they didn't have the talent that Miami has this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean Miami, if they're on, they're on. I mean, they – Yeah, they, you they, look they, at that as well, and but uh, you looking at like – Good grief. What just happened to me? <laughs> looking at it like that, also look at Alabama from a couple years ago when they played Florida State. And obviously, DeAndre Francois got hurt, but Alabama dominated from the mm. get-go. So, I I don't know. It's I, I would really like to sit here and say that Miami's going to put up a good fight because I would like to see him put up a good fight. Heck, I might even like to see him – Take them down. That'd be crazy. What a way to start the season. But um, yeah, yeah. I I think that eighteen and a half is right about it. I could see Miami covering it though with some late BS or something. Yeah. Um. Also, three thirty. Uh, this one just to watch. Cincinnati takes on Miami of Ohio. That's a rivalry game. Cincinnati should win that one easy. Yeah. A lot of people are high on the Bearcats. They're ranked number eight in the country to start. Yeah. And. They have a very tough schedule to start the year. They have Miami, Ohio, then Murray State. Then they have to go to a ranked Indiana team and then go to a ranked Notre Dame team. Mm-hmm. Then after that, it's all conference games, and the Americans kind of up and down. It'll depend. Yeah, I mean, but we're going to learn a lot about them, and if they really want to make it – if they really want to have a case that they're going to make it to the playoff, there it is. I mean, you got four games right well a couple games in there that's that are really tough. And, like, when they come down to it at the end of the year, if Cincinnati's undefeated, like, the committee and everybody can look at that and be like, well, yeah, they went to Indiana. They took down the Hoosiers. They went to Notre Dame. They took down the Fighting Irish and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's the kind of games that a team like that is going to need. Mm-hmm. So, you're yes. not just going to get the benefit of a doubt, the benefit of the doubt like um, somebody like, like – like, well, let's just say Clemson. Like, obviously, Clemson's playing – Georgia, and then Clemson beats Georgia, or excuse me, Clemson loses to Georgia, but then wins the rest of their games. Like Clemson's probably going to get in just because they they are that good, and you, you don't have to question them anymore. You can automatically throw Clemson in there, but somebody like Cincinnati, I mean, you lose one game and you're like, oh yeah, you're not getting in, bro. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're going to learn a lot about the Cincinnati team early. Um, yeah, a lot of people are high on them, so it'll be interesting to see if uh. They can go up to those expectations. Um, also, at 3.30, you got another big game. Uh, Indiana and Iowa, two ranked teams that – Home uh, field. Indiana, go Hoosiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, me at Kinnick Stadium. And Indiana, man, just to turn around Tom Allen's half of that team yeah. has been phenomenal. And they really could have been a whole lot better last year if uh quarterback wouldn't have got hurt. Yeah. And, you know, they had, of course, the reach – well, it was known against Penn State at the start of the season, but Michael mm-hmm. Penix unfortunately gets hurt. But they, yeah. but he's coming back. They still got a good team, and he's got a lot of people around him to throw it off to. Ty Freifogel also comes back. Um, Jacoby Hewitt, who was great last year, yeah. So they're gonna have a great offense that can score some points. And then of course you got Iowa on the other side. You know, the most consistent team, at least in America. Yeah, like they'll they'll win at least nine games. Is are they still coached by Kirk Ferentz? Yep. Okay. Kirk Ferentz. I just wanted to make sure he's been there for years, obviously. So um, don't know when he's going to be getting out of there. But like I, for some reason, I've always liked Kirk Ferentz, and like 
a Kirk Ferentz led team, I just don't ever think is going to lose. Like, I don't really think I look at any Iowa game and I'm just like, yeah, they're going to lose. Yeah. yeah I really, I legit think they always have a shot. And I don't know why that is. I mean, last year, this Iowa team wasn't great last year, but they ended off strong. Um, they won their last five games of the year. They beat Minnesota 35-7, beat Penn State, beat Nebraska, beat Illinois, and beat Wisconsin. They didn't go to a bowl game because of COVID. But, yeah, they finished off strong after starting off pretty rough. So, again, that's just – and they had a couple of games away. Like, their two losses were 24-20 to to Purdue and 21-20 to to Northwestern. So, yeah, two close games that they could have had where – they could have been undefeated, and you know I don't know if they would have. They would have probably gotten to the Big Ten championship game, and yeah, and you know would have played uh, Ohio State. I don't know if they would have won, but I think they would have looked pretty good. So it's right. going to be a fun. That's going to be a very fun one. It's on the Big Ten Network, which is kind of disappointing, but that's a big game for them to have. Yeah, for sure. That network never really took off like the ACC network really, or the SEC network did. Did it? it but really, it, but it, but it was the first one. So give them credit. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, <laughs> the first game they ever broadcast was App State in Michigan, which is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, also, three thirty, you have Maryland West Virginia. That's just a classic rivalry game. I think Maryland's busting out the throwbacks for that one, which they should make permanent. It's gonna be beautiful. Um, so that's gonna be nice. Uh, four o'clock, Mississippi State and Louisiana Tech. Mississippi State has struggled against some of these uh, Sun Belt and Conference USA teams early. They lost to South Alabama a few years ago. So yeah, will we get a repeat of a couple years ago when La Tech had a what was it third or fourth oh, down in '87? Yeah, yeah. something and like that. Old, third like, or fourth down. Yeah. Well, please, that's all I'm asking. I just want one more of those. This time, maybe flip the script. Maybe have Mississippi State go back 80 yards. <laughs> um, here's another game. Um. I don't know why it's on TV because it's going to be ugly. Pitt and UMass. Pitt's going to win this game by like 40, but good Lord, it's going to be the ugliest 40 point win you're going to see in your life. Yeah, it's 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 not going to be good. Yeah, Kenny Pickett's going to throw the ball around and they're just going to drag him down and you're going to hate the watching this. If you're a Pitt fan or a UMass fan, just uh, – yeah. <laughs> Tune into the ACC Network, I guess, if you want. <laughs> yeah, it, it, sure. Um, let's see. Uh, this one, Iowa State plays Northern Iowa. Iowa State got a lot of high expectations on them this year to do something maybe to win the Big 12, even. We'll have to see. Yeah. Nor- Northern Iowa's upset some of these uh Big 12 teams before. Yeah, Northern Iowa's just like North Dakota State. I mean, you, it's it's a team that has history of beating FBS teams. I mean, you never know. Yeah, so there's an, um, another game I want to look at 430 on Fox Texas and Louisiana. Louisiana yeah. comes in ranks. I didn't even know that this was a game, and let alone a ranked game. I love it. Yeah, this yeah, Louisiana was very good. Billy Napier, he's been a guy that's like everybody wants to get, but he wants to take his time and build Louisiana into a contender, and he really has done that. It started last year. They beat Iowa State to start off the year last year, thirty-one to fourteen. And unfortunately for them, they were the reason that Coastal Carolina got back to the picture because they lost to Coastal thirty to twenty-seven. Yeah, well, that was their only loss. They rolled over everybody they beat app state 24 21 they were in the sunbelt championship game but that game was canceled because of covid issues yep. with the raging cajuns but they ended up winning their bowl game over utsa so they went 10 and 1 last year and again you can say only went last about last year but they beat they go on the road to iowa state and beat them they go on the road to georgia state and beat them and they almost beat a good coastal carolina team so, yeah, this is a team that I think Louisiana could slip them up. Texas, you know, 
everybody keeps saying they're going to be back. I'm waiting for when. Every year. Yeah, me too. Good grief. I'm sick of hearing it. Screw Texas. Texas is only picked to win this game by eight, by the way. So this could be a close I think this will be a dog fight, man. I would love nothing more than for Louisiana to go to Memorial Stadium and knock them off. Mm -hmm. This That would be a huge win for the Raging Cajuns and Billy Napier. And then Louisiana, you got to talk about them a little bit after that because after that, that schedule, their toughest game is App State at home and Georgia State at home, and they got to go to Liberty. Other than that, yeah. they avoid Coastal to the championship game. Right. So if they can knock off Texas, I think you got to talk about them a little bit. Yeah. And making a run at least toward the uh, New Year's Six. Um, five o'clock, hey, you can see Nick Starkle take on USC. Um, well, you can't see him because it's on Pac-12 Network and no one knows how to get that channel. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, that, that could be an interesting matchup, I think. USC against Clay Helton. Hot he's seat. on the hot seat, maybe. I don't know what he looks like, but. He's been on the hot seat for five years now, yeah. seems like. And he just keeps keeps fine doing the bare minimum and escaping. And <laughs> right. I can appreciate that, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a fine art form that <laughs> it takes a lot of skill to master, but he's done it. Yeah. Um, Gardner-Webb will go to Georgia Southern, the first – I'm going to call it the first official game of the Trey Lamb era. They played four games last spring, but whatever. It'll be interesting to see against Georgia Southern, who has a former uh, Gardner-Webb player and longtime coach Travis Cunningham as their defensive coordinator. So, interesting to see the uh, Eagles and the running Bulldogs. That's one that I'm going to be paying attention to. Um, Syracuse is going to Ohio at 7 o'clock. Syracuse always does this. They always go to a MAC team for some reason. Yeah, and they usually beat them. Except I think one year when Western Michigan was really good, I think they beat Syracuse that year. Yeah, Syracuse is a one and a half point favorite on the road. Uh, I'm I'm going Ohio. Bold prediction there. Yeah. Ohio dub. Um, this this is gonna be a shootout. Texas Tech and Houston at NRG Stadium. Yep. Uh, that's gonna be no defense in that one because neither team knows how. Well, yeah, the over under sixty five. Yeah. Texas Tech is favored to win by one and a half. That's going to be a wild football game. Dana Holgerson, hot seat. I mean, he's got to he's got to come out here and beat Texas Tech. He's got yeah. to on a national stage. He's got to do it. Absolutely. Uh, continuing to roll down the list, Baylor's going to Texas State. That's an interesting one. See the Bears go to the, uh, San Marcos, Yo, and I get Baylor's crazy. not not where they used to be with RG three and all that, but right. It's still a weird, weird game to see. Yes, it is. Um, seven thirty. Florida takes on Florida Atlantic. Um, Florida should should handle business there, but you know, yeah. with the Owls, the Owls are usually a pretty decent team. Um, this is a game I'm going to be at Northern Illinois and Georgia Tech at seven thirty. I'm going to be at there doing some coverage for the Huskies. Um, Huskies did not have a good spring. They went our good season last year. They played in the fall. They went zero and six. Georgia Tech. Jeff Sims. He is such a raw quarterback but I think he's going to be a good one. He's going to be the next good ACC quarterback, I think. If he can just finally get a full year to develop, I think he's going to make uh, some things happen. And we continue to roll. And, uh, oh, this is one we can talk about, UCLA and LSU. LSU comes in. They did not have a good year last year to follow up the national no. Um And they looked pretty rough. They lost a lot of people on that team. UCLA – I mean, Tony Thompson Robinson did not look accurate against Hawaii. But again, when Zach Charbonnet runs for 106 yards on six or 103 yards on six carries and three touchdowns, you don't need to throw it. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bruins can 
can hold up against. Again, this is a better team than Hawaii, of course, and LSU. And LSU is LSU still got some people on that team that are mm-hmm. going to be good. They still are going to have a good defense, I think. I think last yeah. year was just kind of a fluke with people that hurt. Interesting to see who they play out quarterback. Will it be Max Johnson or will it be uh, Miles Brennan? Right. I'll be interested to see about that. But we'll have to see, you know, if uh, Tigers can recover from just a, just a bad year last year. And yep. even though, again, thanks to them, we got the uh, Florida throwing the shoe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks to them. I, I feel like when Florida LSU play, something stupid always happens. But Right. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be fun. This could be a high-scoring game. Uh, LSU's favored to win by three points, and the over-under is 66. So, this could get explosive out in Pasadena. And then um, late-night games, not a whole lot to talk about. Um, Arizona-BYU could be fun. You got, you got a trio of uh, Pac-12 after darks Yeah, with your uh, Cal hosting Nevada on uh, FS1 at 1030. BYU and Arizona playing in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium on ESPN at 10.30, and Utah State going to Washington State in Pullman um, at 11 p.m. So usually you, Washington, uh, Washington State is usually a, a pretty fun team to watch, and you kind of never know what's going to happen with them. I don't know much about Cal, uh, but that BYU-Arizona game, that one should be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Um, Arizona had a rough year last year, but – BYU, we want to see what they're going to do without Zach Wilson. They're probably going to have another good quarterback. They usually do. Yeah. Out there. And so we moved to Sunday. There's some games on Sunday. And it's Notre Dame and Florida State. And, again, this is a game that a few years ago would be a lot better, a lot more hyped up for. Now, you know, you probably think Notre Dame's going to win. But Mackenzie Milton's in charge. Yeah, Florida I'm State. excited, man. I'm ready to watch it. This is his debut. Um, Notre Dame's picked the win only by seven and a half, and that's a Tallahassee. A pack Tallahassee is still a tough place to play. Yeah, it's pro. I, I would say I'm gonna go out on the limb and say that Florida State, from the outside, the exterior of Dope Campbell Stadium is the most beautiful stadium in the nation. It's so nice with the bricks and everything, it's such a cool place. And I know it, it would be really cool as much as I do not like Florida State, and I know you don't either. But, like, to, to have them back, have them rocking, and have that place be as intimidating as it used to be would be pretty cool. Yeah, and um, but Notre Dame's still good. Jack Cohn's probably going to be your starting quarterback again. Um, or starting quarterback now this year. I mean, George Tech's going to have, I think, a good offense. They Brian Kelly has done a great job of getting the, adapting them. Because, you know, you used to think of Notre Dame as kind of like a Big Ten team. They're going to run the ball, pound it. Yeah. They were running some no-huddle stuff, and it was working effectively against Clemson and against some of these better teams. So, being able to do that has changed Notre Dame a lot. And, um, again, everybody's going to talk about Notre Dame now. They're not in the conference again about their schedule. They know, but this is they play Wisconsin on a neutral site. They host Cincinnati, but they go to Virginia Tech. They host USC. They host North Carolina. That game's going to be fantastic. Yeah. And after that, man, it's not really a very difficult schedule this year. So it'll be interesting to see what the Fighting Irish can do in their big time games this year, yeah. and if we're talking about them late in the year. And then finally, on Labor Day, you get Louisville and Ole Miss. This game is going to prove nothing, but it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. The over under is seventy five and a half. Yeah, because Ole Miss does not play defense. I don't think Lane, Lane Kiffin's goal in life is to not play defense just to make Nick Saban angry. And I respect that. 
Yeah, I am okay with that. Uh, Louisville has Malik Cunningham at quarterback, who is insanely good. Yes, he is. He's he's not quite like you know a uh, Lamar Jackson, but he has Lamar Jackson type quality sometimes. Yeah, he's just a big body that can run and can sling it. Um, they also have Shy Wirtz. I forgot has transferred to that team from Clinton. Hmm. I didn't and know so that he was a big time player for Georgia Southern. He's playing wide receiver now. Hmm. And so that'll be interesting to see what he can do in that offense. And yeah, that's again, you're going to learn nothing from that game. Yeah. But you're going to have a lot of fun if you watch that game, I think. Yeah. I'm just, I'm excited to see Ole Miss because they are um, highly touted this year. Uh, they do have a lot of hype going into it. We know that the offense is going to be elite. Uh, we know that Corral is going to possibly like Matt Corral is going to be um, an extreme stat pattern. Like he's going to put up numbers, and oh, yeah. there could be a scenario where you know if Ole Miss ends up being really, really good. Like I mean, he could be with the numbers he's going to put up. He could probably be a Heisman. Somebody to talk about maybe at some point in the season for Heisman. But we know their offense is going to be good. If Ole Miss can find any shred of defense, they they're <laughs> going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem. Mackerel's stats last year, just 3,337 yards, 29 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I don't care. Just let the man sling it. Yeah, the offense is fun, man. I mean, do they still have John Reese Plumley? I think he left. I, I'm not seeing him on the roster. So, it looks okay. like John Reese Plumley, Plumley is out, which is a shame. They used like to throw team. him – yeah, they threw him in all kinds of formations last year. Yeah. Sometimes, but, like, put him no. at wide receiver, have him run like a little uh, – like a reverse, and then uh, yeah. Reese Plumley would throw the ball. There's a lot of fun going on down what's, there. On the, what's fun on the to watch train. is that against LS, like, Matt Corral last year would have a game like he did against Vanderbilt where he had 412 yards passing and six touchdowns. Against yeah. South Carolina, 513 yards passing and four touchdowns. Yeah. And then against LSU, 251 yards passing, three touchdowns, five interceptions. I don't care. Keep sending him <laughs> out there. Yeah, sling it. He is literally a gunslinger. Like against Arkansas, he had 200 yards, two touchdowns, and six picks. Everybody's saying, oh, this guy's horrible. And then two weeks later, he has that Vanderbilt game. Right. Which is fantastic. So, yeah, he is the definition of a gunslinger. They are just going – Lincoln is just going to tell him to throw the ball up in the air and see what happens. Yeah. Hey, interceptions build character. Just ask (laughs) Jameis Winston. After his 30 and 30 season, he is starting in the NFL again. Exactly. Anything's possible. Exactly. So that's college football week one. We'll come back to that look next week and kind of give you our analysis on South Carolina and Clemson. And we'll look through week two as well. Now we move on to the NFL. Speaking of Jameis Winston, preseason just finished up. And, you know, we'll talk about our teams, the Bills and the Titans. I'll talk about the Bills first. Um, Josh Allen looks good. He yeah. played against, and I get uh the uh Packers may have rested some of their starters, but hey, Josh Allen, this is his first action all year so far, and he looked great. He had find this stats. Um, he had 194 yards passing against Green Bay. And you know, it was so crazy. And Gabe Davis had a heck of a reception for a touchdown. Um, there's a video of the Bills have put up that's gone around social media where it's an 8K, which is beautiful, of that pass. And it's just great camera work mm-hmm. is all I can say about it. But Josh Allen, 20 to 26, 194 yards and two touchdown passes in the game. Um, rushing-wise, the only thing the 
The Bills didn't rush a whole lot. That's kind of disappointing because they got to get that rushing game. Jake Fromm was the leading rusher. <laughs> um, he had a 13-yard touchdown run. And then um, Zach Mollison had four carries for 10 yards. So that's still got to figure out what you're going to do there. Cole Beasley was back, and he had four receptions, 52 yards. Emmanuel Sanders, who's just joined the team, four receptions for 27 yards. Marquez Stevenson, unfortunately, got hurt, which is disappointing because, like I told you about him, the past few weeks has been so great on special teams. Yeah. He got hurt and may miss the first game, so hopefully he can come back uh, pretty helpfully. But, yeah, 19-0, you shut out. Um, a good Green Bay offense. Uh, again, Jordan Love and Kurt Ben Kurt were playing quarterback. But you get a pick off with Love, you get two sacks, and you hold Kylan Hill to just 37 yards rushing, and A.J. Dillon just 18 yards rushing. That's pretty good yeah. uh, for this Bills defense. So, yeah, they look good. Um Excited, you know. Hopefully, again, Stephon Diggs. Hopefully, he's going to be able to play Week One. All signs point to that, and you know they'll have to come out slinging against a good Steelers team. But I'm excited. Yeah, I definitely would be. Yeah, and uh, defensively, uh, it looks like Rousseau did not get a sack this week. So into sack streak, but yeah, he's looked great, just being a guy plugging holes, and that's really what you needed to kind of take the. Uh, stress off of Trey White and the rest of that secondary. Yeah. Now we'll look over at the Titans. How the Titans look in their final preseason tune-up? Uh, they look all right. This is the first one that I got to watch. Uh, the rest of them obviously have not been on TV. but um, So I got to watch this one. Played the Bears. Lost 27-24 to 24 against the Justin Fields-led Bears. Well, Justin Fields for a little bit. Nick Foles, gosh, I amid all the – yeah, uh, I forgot. talk of Justin Fields and Andy Dalton getting the starting job. Yeah. They strutted out Nick Foles the he other night. And I said, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't even know he was still here. Ain't nobody talked about him. I know. Yeah. He looked um, he looked phenomenal. 142 yards and two touchdowns and only three yeah. completions. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he, he came in and played very well. Um, but for the Titans, this was a big game for Matt Barkley and Logan Woodside. Uh, they were the only quarterbacks to play. No Ryan Tannehill. He did get put on COVID list, but he should yeah. he's going to be ready for week one. So, no Tannehill in the preseason, no Derrick Henry, no A.J. Brown, no Julio. Um, offensive line did get uh, Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold. They did run a couple uh, drives on Saturday night, uh, and they, they looked okay. This is Taylor Lewan's first game action since uh, probably – I can't remember exactly what week, but probably week three, week four, five last year. After he had his injury, uh, but yeah, of quarterbacks Matt Barkley, Logan Woodside. Logan Woodside definitely outplayed Barkley this past Saturday night. So, if they're only going to keep one, I really think at this point they're probably going to end up keeping Woodside. He's already been with the team for three or four years now, so I think it makes more sense to keep him uh, than Barkley, even though Barkley has looked good in yeah. the preseason and the other games, but. Barkley finished 7 of 15 for 126 yards. It had one interception that was just awful. Mm-hmm. I, I sent you that Snapchat. <laughs> uh, I don't even know what he was doing. He threw it right to um, Trevathian from the Bears, and the receiver he was trying to throw to was literally blanketed with two Bears and then threw it right to Trevathian, who was dropping back in covers. I don't know what the heck Matt Barkley was thinking there, but Threw a pick. Logan Woodside also threw a pick, um, which wasn't a great either, but he did throw a touchdown. The Woodside finished 12 of 17 for 100 yards, uh, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, another guy that I want to point to for the Titans is Makai Sargent, running back. Um, yeah. He His numbers have been okay in the preseason, and he's definitely played well, 
He had 17 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown on Saturday night. Uh, but this kid runs hard. He's a rookie out of uh, Iowa. And this kid just runs hard. Like, he reminds me, like, he's got a lot of power in him, a la like Derrick Henry. Um, so, somebody who's just he's, – he's tough to bring down. And Sargent's obviously not as big as Derrick Henry. Uh, but Sargent goes out there and he just – he doesn't give up. And I've been really impressed with him. So, if the Titans are going to keep three running backs, keep Derrick Henry, um, keep – God bless. Why am I blanking on the name? Kid out of Appalachian State. You called it the night that they drafted him. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, he's, he's just been hurt, and he didn't get to play much uh, last year. Anyway, it'll, it'll come to me. Sorry. But, hey, keep him. And then I would think keep Sargent. I would really like to keep Sargent as a third string back because um, Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans yeah, is the running go. back. And Darrington Evans got hurt in an earlier preseason game. So, I mean, especially if he's going to be injured again, I would like to keep Sargent having there for um, – the third running back, but and then defense for the Titans. Uh, had a lot of starters play again. They looked good for the first couple of drives. Um, but I've been really impressed, man. Like I said last week, it, it is preseason, but I mean, I have been just looking for anything that's going to tell me that this defense is going to be better. And I honestly, coming out of preseason, like I think we're pretty solid right now. We're, I think we're in good hands, and I'm really loving. Elijah Molden, a rookie that we picked up. I think I think this kid is going to be unreal. I think he's going to be a superstar in the NFL. Uh, he's just tenacious. He's been playing wherever Vrabel and company want him to play, and he's come in. He's gotten some sacks off some safety blitzes. He's been good in coverage. I think he's going to be awesome. We also saw the first action from our uh, first-round pick, Caleb Farley, um, playing very sparingly. I mean, he's coming off of hip surgery – and he hasn't played football in a couple of years because he opted out for Virginia Tech this past year, and then I think he was hurt the year before. Um, but the, the talent is there. I mean, yeah. if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be an unreal cornerback as well. But the, the the defense as a whole for Tennessee has really impressed me, and I'm, I'm feeling good because we play Arizona in week one in two weeks. And for what I know about Arizona is they're, they have some defense. Obviously, they picked up J.J. Watt, but what worries me is their offense mm-hmm. against our defense because they have Kyler Murray, New Hopkins. They, they got a lot of weapons. So, um, But I feel better about it. I, I really think the Titans' defense is going to make an improvement, which wouldn't be that hard to make an improvement, but I think they are going to be an improvement. Yeah. Yeah, another guy I want to talk about, too, for the Bears, he's not going to get a whole lot of names, but Jesper Horstead. It's yeah. part of that big tight end core they have. He had five receptions for 104 yards and mm-hmm. three touchdowns against the Titans. He is a Titan killer. I'm pretty sure somebody said that he had multiple touchdowns in a preseason game against the Titans two or three years ago as well. So maybe it's just Tennessee. Yeah. He was a guy, he was out of football last year. I think he opted out. Um, he's from Princeton, and this is his second season. And, you know, he's not going to get it because he's behind Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. But hey, Maybe you throw them out there sometimes. So, yeah. good to see guys like that from small schools get some experience. Speaking of the Bears, we'll stay with this. We're going to talk about some of the starting quarterbacks that have been named for a bunch of teams. Yeah. And the Bears are going with Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. And – No, thanks. Yeah, it's interesting. And I've seen the people argue, well, you got to keep him because of how – you got to have the experience. I You don't have to have that, I don't think. Because Justin Fields – First of all, Justin Fields should never been on the board at pick 11. I like Zach Wilson. I like Trey Lance a lot. Justin Fields and Trey Lawrence were the, both the top two quarterbacks in all of college football last year. And the fact that he slipped all the way to the Bears is 
insane. And, you know, agree. I think Justin Fields, you know, you got to have some life, and Matt Nagy is on the hot seat because Mitchell Trubisky did not work out for them. Right. And, you know, Andy Dalton did not look great at times against the Bills. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Now, he came in, got booed, and then threw a dime for a touchdown pass. Now, granted, it was 28 to nothing by that point. But still, I think, you know, I don't know why you don't go Justin Fields because he looked – he like, again, he's going to make those rookie mistakes, and he's a running quarterback and all that stuff. Yeah. But he looks so good against Miami. He had flashes of brilliance against the Bills. Again, third stringers, I get it. I think you – I feel like you had to go with Justin Fields. And yeah. I, I, I like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's great. Andy Dalton got the Bills back to the playoffs when he was <laughs> with Cincinnati. All right. So I'm gonna he's forever gonna be in my one of my favorites. But I think at this point you have to, when you're picking between Dalton and Fields and heck even Nick Foles, even though he's on the roster, I think you've got to go with yeah. Fields. Yeah, I, I really find it hard to believe that they didn't um, go with Fields after how he looked. But at, at the same time, I mean, I see it. They signed Eddie Dalton for a reason. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like they're just going the route. Like, obviously, they're just going to look at it. They're going to see how it goes. If in week three he's thrown six picks and two touchdowns, that by all means, they'll yeah see you and mm-hmm. get Justin Fields in there and start him a little bit earlier than I guess they want to. But, yeah, I, I, I can't believe they didn't go with Fields. And I'm still just perplexed that Nick Foles is still on the team. That blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, he'll probably get <laughs> traded somewhere and – be a backup somewhere for them. It's so weird to see his right. ball, man, from well, the coming in to win a Super Bowl to all the way down to where he is now. I know. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've always heard that muted. I got the mute button just in time. Look at that. Nah, nice. Pro, pro move. Um, but yeah, no, we'll go down now to Jacksonville, and what a shock! Trevor Lawrence is starting quarterback. Yeah, you know there was. I feel like after two preseason games, there was some legit concern. Yeah. Um, and there was some, like, there was some justification in saying, I, you know what, Gardner Minshew, why not? He's already been here a couple of years. Like, let him, let him go, and whenever the time is right, throw in Trevor. But uh, the third preseason game, I thought Trevor looked, looked a lot better. And uh, I, I do think it's the right move. I mean – why not? You drafted him number one overall for a reason. Like, put him in there and let it go. You have nothing to lose. You're literally awful. Yeah. So, like, they let lost- him go, put him in there, and then they try to guard him into you. <laughs> yeah, to the Eagles. That was interesting to see what happens between him and Hurts because Minshew showed flashes of brilliance, I thought, in Jacksonville. It's just there's not a whole lot around him besides Shark and Cooper, the pro two. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if ETN out, that your running game becomes a question mark. Yeah, I know. I hate that for ETN too. Mm-hmm. That's that sucks. Yeah, but yeah, Lawrence eleven of 12, 139 yards and two touchdowns against the Cowboys. Most of the first teamers got his first professional touchdown pass to Farrah Cooper from South Carolina. So interesting, yep. Clemson Carolina connection. I love that in the pros. Um, yeah, like Jacksonville's not going to be good this year. I don't know if they're going to be good on Urban Meyer because I, I just don't know how he's going to do as an NFL coach, but. You see that meme where it says he's ready to fake a heart attack? I saw that, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, if if they can have some semblance of an offensive line, and they've done a good job of get, of having him run plays where he gets the ball out quick. They're going to run a lot of screens, a lot of slants. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to try to run a lot of pitches and stuff. 
So that's been a good thing I've seen from the Jaguars. But, man, if they can get some semblance of an offensive line, just let him throw it up and see what yeah. happens. Because he had a beautiful pass to LaVisca Chenault mm-hmm. in the back corner of the end zone against the Cowboys. And, man, if you can just let him do that, the Jaguars could be dangerous. But, yeah. You know, I get, it's going to be too early to tell whether or not Fields or Lawrence going to be great in the NFL. They may both be bust. They may both be Hall of Famers. But it's too early to tell. It's just weird situations for both of them. All right. So, talk about Trevor what, and what he's got on offense. Like, they're, 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 they're not going to be that good. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a whole lot of names. I mean, he's got James Robbins in the backfield, who was obviously very good last year. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see if he's going to keep that up or what's going to happen with him. Um. And at wide receiver, Chark, who's somebody that's been there. Farrell Cooper, who's not really a starter, but he's been around. He's been in other – he's been a, kind of a journeyman to this point. So, I mean, he's been around the NFL. He's got experience. Um, but then you got – you got more. You have Marvin Jones Jr., who came over from Detroit. Yeah. Which I think Chenault he's going to – He's interesting. Good. And Chenault's good, too. Chenault, they use it a bunch of different ways. Like, I – Chenault like quarterbacks in, in college, yeah. so they can put them anywhere. Yeah, so they, and and they have Laquan Treadwell, which if you don't remember that name, go mm-hmm. look up the play where he breaks his ankle. It's nasty, and, uh, <laughs> against uh, maybe Auburn or LSU, one of them. But anyway, Laquan Treadwell coming out of college was oh my gosh, unreal. I thought he was going to be the next freaking like Randy Moss, and he has ended up being terrible. But if he can figure out anything, I think this is a good quarterback to have behind you to help you, uh, you know, get your swagger back. Defensively, I feel bad for Trevor because he's going to have to play keep up. Now, they have a good linebacking core of Josh Allen, Calavion Chason, Miles Jack, Shaq Quarterman. Yeah. And C.J. Henderson's a pretty good corner, but, man, yeah. it's, it's going to be tough. He's going to have to be playing keep up with a lot of these teams, especially in the AFC South where mm-hmm. over the past few years, the AFC South had great offenses and not great defense, except for the Colts with uh, Darius Leonard and right. all of them. So, that's it. But, yeah, I think uh, – yeah, it'll be interesting. Again, you have nothing to lose if you're the Jags this year. All right. But I think, you know, after a while, you, you're you going to have to get it. They start off with the Texans and the Broncos, two winnable games. So, we'll see what they can do there. As yeah. What they can do with those games. And then Cardinals, Bengals, you get to see Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence again. Yeah. That freaking that, – that week one game against Houston is going to be just so bad. Mm-hmm, good. Especially looks like- if Houston trades to Sean Watson yeah. to, like – to Miami or something. Oh, my gosh. Yep, because right now the starter is Tyrod Taylor, who, again, I love. Go Bills. Tyrod's old. Oh, God. Tyrod's in his 11th season. That's going to be bad, dude. And your other options are Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills, the rookie from Stanford. Oh. Now, you have Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. I forgot Philip Lindsay is on that team now. Mark Ingram's washed. Yeah. This is an old team. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, wide receivers are old, too. Kiki Kuti, it's the only young one I've seen. Oh, Nico mm-hmm. Collins, he's a rookie out of old Michigan. Yeah. And, got, and Andre Roberts, Citadel, but he's been special teams his entire career. God, this is an old offense. Yeah, this, yeah. that first game is going to be ugly if Deshaun Watson does not play, which he's probably not going to play. Right. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, going on next team. Look at uh, Teddy Bridgewater, the starting quarterback for the Broncos. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that was, I think that was basically expected. 
to see. Yeah. Um, it's disappointing to see Drew Locke. Drew Locke had some of those games where he looked like the next big thing. Oh, yeah. He looked like he was going to take over the league. And he just, just kind of fell off a bit, got hurt. And, of course, the Broncos had that weird situation last year at quarterback where they had to throw in a wide receiver from Wake Forest. Um, so, yeah, Drew Locke's career stats, um, 16 touchdowns of 15 interceptions, two less than 3,000 yards. Um, you know, he he's a fine game manager. I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is your answer because Teddy wasn't the answer at Carolina. Yeah. And – that's why they got Sam Darnold. So, right. It's, I think the Broncos, you know, the Broncos are in that, have just fallen since that Super Bowl. When Peyton Manning left, they've just been kind of wandering the wilderness looking for a quarterback. Yeah. And they tried Paxton Lynch. They tried Brett Ripien, who's on this roster still. Mm. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, Brock Osweiler, of course, is the big one. Yeah. They just threw a bunch of money at and didn't work. You still got Melvin Gordon, who has shown, flashes but is interesting philip Lindsay, of course had that one great year and then was traded yep you do have jerry judy yeah and kj hamler as, as receivers so you have a good little receiving core that i think you can build around jerry Cortland sutton as well mm-hmm. Cortland sutton from smu i mean if he didn't get hurt last year that kid's that kid's good good yeah yeah he's but, really good but you gotta get him the ball and i don't know if teddy's the answer teddy Great quarterback most early in his career. Yeah. I just don't see it. Yeah, ever since he got hurt in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been and it's a great story. Great glad he's back. I'm glad he's yeah. back. But man, I don't know if he's ever going to be up to that talent again. So yeah. It's disappointing. Um, but you know, I think he's a guy that I think guys right now, if you're the Broncos, boy, you just gotta kind of wait and see what happens and wait till the next draft. Yep. Maybe maybe you get Sam Howell, you know? Yeah, right. Other ones, of course, Jameis Winston got the job for the Saints uh, last week. I think that's a good idea. It's weird they threw all that money at Taysom Hill, though, to not play quarterback. But he'll, yeah, that's at true. least somebody made a point. I think it was Dan Orlovsky made the point. At least he can contribute in other ways. Right. Like, you can put him at wide receiver, you can put him at running back. But it's just, man, that's a whole lot of money you threw. Oh, yeah. Not the start. Right. And the Eagles quarterback room, I have no clue. Me either. Like, they have Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, and Gardner Minshew now. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see either all three of them doing anything spectacular. Jalen Hurts showed flashes. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give him more of a chance, but Flacco's older. Minshew, I think, again, shown flashes, but yeah, interesting to see, but it ain't gonna be Joe Flacco. Let me tell you that no, his no. his elite seasons have uh, <laughs> passed him. Yeah, uh, and Gardner Minshew that for sure not. So Hurts uh, going in there. I think Hurts has the um, the, the skill set. Yeah, the the, the skill set to make something special in Philly, um, especially with the addition of somebody like Devontae Smith and a playmaker on the outside. Um, and then who's their running back? Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, they have JJ Arcega Whiteside too as a wide receiver yeah. and solid. So shout out Dorman High School. Yep. And uh Travis Fulham. Good. They have decent little receivers. Jack Jalen Rager from TCU had a good year. And Devontae Smith, they added him in the offseason. Yeah. And Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are still two dangerous tight ends. So 
if he can get the ball out to people, he'll be he'll be pretty good. But it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if that's your guy for the year or what you do with him. But yeah, Eagles will be an interesting team to watch this year for sure. Yeah. NFC East, of course, might as well also be, you know, just horrible again this year and somebody sneaks into the playoffs at nine and seven. Yeah, it's probably not going to be that good, but I think Washington's going to take it. Yeah. It'll be Washington or Dallas, I think. If Dak stays healthy. Yeah. That'll be interesting. We'll talk about that more when we get closer to the NFL season, but I'm going to move on now to – I'm going to tell you the story. I forget to tell you this. Have you heard anything about the Bishop Sycamore High School football team? Uh, yes, a little bit. You you did send me the article and I did read it tonight. So so yes, I I know now. Yeah. So but if you it, if you don't know about this, everybody else, uh, ESPN this weekend has a high school or the first weekend usually of our last weekend of August, right before football season, has this high school showcase weekend. They show a bunch of these high school teams on ESPN. Usually the best recruits like Arch Manning and his high school played on Friday. Um, we've seen Jadavion Clowney played in it when he was in high school at South Point. Um, a lot of big-time high schools. Well, IMG Academy, you know, they're in Florida. It's a big-time sports school. People will go there just to go there just to play sports from all over the country. Right. And number one high school in the nation. They go up to Ohio and play Bishop Sycamore in Canton at the Hall of Fame Stadium. It's on a Sunday. You're like, okay, well, whatever. During the week, there are people from Ohio saying, we've never heard of this school. That's interesting. Well, new schools pop up all the time. Like, you know, Fountain Inn High School just popped up here in, in South Carolina. Yep. Um, South Point was a new school. So maybe it's one of those schools where they just have a bunch of talent real early. Bishop Sycamore played six games last year and went 0-6. And they also played IMG Academy last year and lost that game 56 to nothing. Now, IMG goes up and wins this game 58 to nothing. And so people start asking questions. Why was Bishop Sycamore chosen to play IMG? Turns out, Bishop Sycamore is a bunch of liars because they told the broadcasters including Anish Shroff, who's one of the best broadcasters at ESPN, knows what he's talking about, that they had a bunch of Division I-bound players, a bunch of college stars. It's going to be a great game. They looked up these players, and they are not even in recruiting bases. Now, you're starting to think, this is weird. Is this school real? Well, it's an online-only charter school. The website is horrible. The About Us section is blank. There's zero mention of the education you can get whatsoever. There's a blog. Yes, there's a blog on a school website. And it's not listed in the directory for the Ohio High School Athletic Association. So the team exists. This is the second year. But here's the crazy part. They played on Sunday, right? That's what I told you. Played Sunday afternoon. Yeah. They played a game on Friday, too. Yeah. They went to Pennsylvania to play a school, Stowe Rocks High School in Pennsylvania, and lost 19-7. to 
both these schools also wore black jerseys, which hold on a minute. Yes, I saw that picture in there. That's so dumb. Yeah, that should have been the first one. And so people were like, well, maybe those are like the JV team. No, that quarterback is the same quarterback, and he also played DB in both those games. And there's a screenshot of the players um, from the Friday game and from the Saturday game. This is from Ben Koo on Twitter. Had that. Um, let's see. And they said the president of Paragon Marketing Group, Rashid Ghazi, whose company scheduled a game, had no idea they played on a Friday and had no idea Bishop Sycamore was probably not a real school. This whole thing is insane. Bishop Sycamore also will play zero home games this year. They're going to go to Connecticut to play a game. They're going to go to Florida. They're going to go to Texas to play the number five team in the country next week, I believe. And also, by the way, get this waffle. I don't know if you heard this. Their coach, I believe his name's Rudy Johnson. Yeah, their coach has an active arrest warrant in his name. Oh my God. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, I, that got added today. That was Yo. just found out today. More people were digging into this all day, and that got found out today. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is just, it's just a never ending, never ending sea of lies. And like, <laughs> and while it is a real school, it's how how can somebody not know? Yeah. How can you not in doing your due diligence like when you're Send researching a team or when like a team like I'm sure to do these games, it's not just picked by ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's been about this company and it's like, how do you not research this game? Like they went 0 right. and six last year. Yes. And already lost to this team. And so you're going to put them in the ESPN High School Showcase. Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be some of the best games all season. You're going to put them in that when they lost to this same team by more than 50 points last year. Do you really think they got that much better that they're going to compete with IMG Academy? No. Like, like there are several schools in Ohio more deserving. I mean, you can think of all the college players been to, from Ohio that have gone on to do great things. Like, you know, uh, Joe Burrow recently could have gotten his high school in Athens. Yeah. Play them. You could have gotten some big high school in, like, Cleveland or something. Since There's a, high, there's a school across the street from the Canton Stadium that's actually really good at football, I believe, is what they said. And they were like, why are they not playing them? Right. So, yeah, that was just a weird – type of deal um it's been a fascinating story to look into sb nation is where the article i've been looking at um barstool sports had a good one last night it was the first one i got so mm -hmm. just you'll find it just look up bishop sycamore high school and you'll find articles it is insane it's hilarious um it's dangerous because these kids playing games on a friday and a sunday right um which is wild but you know it's uh man that's Somebody had to have money somewhere. That's yeah, something. I, I just, I still can't believe how, how somebody let this happen. How somebody really let them come out and play on a Friday night and then play again on a Sunday. <laughs> the same kids against IMG Academy of all teams. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time for the best play I saw this week. I didn't get to go to any high school games, but I'll show you my play soon. But Waffle, you got to see a, uh, Inter-County Clash down in Greenwood this weekend. Yeah, I did. I got to see uh, Emerald High School, who I went and watched last week, and I talked about Emerald in 96. 
I got to see Emerald play at Greenwood High School, which is the biggest high school in Greenwood County. It's a four a 4A school. South Carolina runs on the biggest is 5A. So uh, Greenwood used to be five or used to be 4A back when that was the biggest biggest uh, classification. They recently switched to 5A. So Greenwood stayed in four. Uh, but Greenwood's uh, coming off a pretty good year last year and going into this game like I expected it to be um, kind of sided on Green on Greenwood's side um, just because they are bigger. They got a little bit better athletes than Emerald's got, and Emerald is kind of on the come up, and I think Emerald is going to be very competitive once they get into their region play. But um, Emerald coming into this game, I was just looking for, looking for anything out of Emerald just to say that they could compete with somebody that was uh, better than them. But – this game was good, better than what the score says. The final score was 35 to 7, but Emerald did have their chances. Emerald was down at one point 20 to 7 and forced a turnover. So they could have gone with the ball there. And if they'd have scored, it could have been a whole different game, but they ended up going three and out, which eventually uh, spelled their fate for the game. But there's two plays that I got that I want to um, show everybody. So, first one, uh, we're somewhere in the third quarter, if I remember correctly. And uh, there's a running back for Emerald. He takes, uh, gets the ball, and he's running uh, on the right side. And he comes, and I promise you, from where I was sitting in the stands, it looked just like you're playing NCAA 14, and you're <laughs> bearing down on somebody with that linebacker, and you flick that stick up. And it, it I, I don't know if we could pull up. We need to find a video of that to put in here. Yeah, just yeah, a, a video of the kid. Uh, it just hits him, and it's just perfect. It's just so quick. Like, Emerald running back Greenwood guy hits him high, and he's just, fuck, straight down. <laughs> and it was just so perfect. And the only thing I thought about was, wow, I really want to go play NCAA 14 right now. <laughs> um, but that that one was good. And then the second one I got is we got Greenwood high running back, uh, uh, number 25. It's coming around the edge. He shakes off a tackler uh, with a good little a good little truck stick. But then he absolutely truck sticks the referee <laughs> in just like a 20-yard run uh, that was so good. But, yeah, it was, it's later on in the game, kind of garbage time, but he trucks one Emerald guy, and then he absolutely trucks a referee. And <laughs> I, I remember I texted Richard, and I was like, I, I got my play of the week. And then 10 or 15 minutes later, I was like, <laughs> nope, new play of the week. Got, got a different one, but this dude just trucks the ref. So, uh, But, yeah, the, those are really good. Two good plays in the game that I, in the game that I got to watch Friday night. So yeah, that was man, just fantastic. I mean, anytime you can get a pair of truck sticks like that, yeah, just fantastic. And just literally, it was just like I got my play of the week. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Possibly, never mind. <laughs> I got, <laughs> got another, another one. <laughs> so yeah, that's um, that's a great play of the week. And now normally I would stick to the high school as well, but I had to go to the NFL this week. I think I saw the most soulless hail mary touchdown of all time. First of all, the Jets have this player named Kenny Yaboa. Um, he's balled out the preseason. It's a wide receiver. And he caught a Hail Mary pass from James Morgan, the quarterback, against the Eagles this weekend. And to end the game, put the Jets down by two as time expired. This is the most nonchalant catch yes. on a Hail Mary I've ever seen in a preseason game. Yes, it is. The funniest part is the Jets then go for two because you have to at that point. There's no time left. And they get it. Josh Adams runs it in. And that's the game. 
Yeah. It's a tie. It's just over. The win probability chart on ESPN is hilarious. Because it is the Eagles have a 99.3% chance to win when uh the 13 seconds left before mm-hmm. the Hail Mary happens. Yeah. And it goes all the way down to tie. Yeah. So instead of seeing it go all that might be funnier than seeing it go all the way from up from one team all the way down to the other team. Right. Because that one you kind of expect it. But that was I saw that and I just had to watch it because I was like, that's the most soulless, non-caring, does not matter. Hail yes. Mary I've ever seen in my life. Well, the biggest thing for me is like you've got four. <laughs> so- l- let me count one, two, three, four, five. I see six Eagles. Yeah. And three Jets. And it's all, it's just like the, the Eagles have so many guys out there, but they do nothing. They absolutely do nothing. And then Yaboa goes up kind of one on one with one guy. Got another guy kind of on him, but he just, I don't know. He just kind of comes away with it. And then there's like, there's hardly any celebrating. Like 16 yeah. goes up and hugs Yaboa. <laughs> you got 38 over here throwing his arms up. Like, what the heck just happened? And now, now the play's over. I see one, two, three, four. Yeah. Six, six Eagles still standing there, just like, what, what just happened? <laughs> and I see two Jets. Yeah. Like, it's a great pass from Morgan. It's a perfect throw. Yeah. But, that should not happen. There were three, there were like three receivers that had a chance at the ball. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 48 kind of slides in there at the last mm-hmm. minute. 16 is just there to catch it just in case it goes all the bounce. And that's it. Yep. And then Yoboa. So, yeah. Yeah. It's literally called, if you look on YouTube, it's some highlight heaven, a Hail Mary that will not matter tomorrow. It does not matter. That is the most accurate description I've ever heard. That's one of the top comments. It says, as a Jets fan, this will matter for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? That's fine. Ian Eagle was also on the call of this, which is hilarious, yeah. even funnier. And he has so yes. much passion for it, which makes yes. it funnier. So, this the, the best thing about this video is that they get a two point conversion and the game's over. Yeah. That's the best thing yeah, about exactly. the whole situation. I don't even care about the Hail Mary. And the no reactions, the most nonchalant I have of all time. They literally went for two, got it, and then it just ended. Yeah. <laughs> what is, is it, 1946? I, I don't understand. Why? Why? Yeah. Even in preseason, like, why, Ty? I don't yeah. understand that. You know how funny it would be if they wouldn't have gotten that two-point conversion, though? <laughs> that, would even, that would have been the most Jets moment of all time, even if it's the preseason. Even like, would it then have mattered? I mean, it, it puts a loss so. in the column. No, the funniest actually is if they get if they throw a pick six so the Eagles get two points, so yeah. lose by four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get that hell Mary is the final play of the game. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, I guess, the best play I saw. But it was the funniest one. Yeah, it's the funniest situation. So yeah, yeah, it's a great weekend sports. Again, this is gonna be a great weekend. College football is back. Very excited. Um, like I said, I'll be in Atlanta on Saturday. So if you're in the Atlanta area, hey, you see me at the Bobby at Bobby Dodd, come say hi, hang out. I'm also going to plug some things. Um, of course, as you know, I'm a grad student at Carson Newman. Thursday, got our first broadcast of the year, three o'clock women's soccer against North Georgia, five o'clock men's soccer against Lee. I'll be on the call for both of those. And then I'm going to stick around football at seven on Thursday against West Georgia. I'll be doing some of the halftime and post game show for that one on the radio and online so 
check that out if you can. We'll love to plug in. Love to have football back. And Waffle, you got anything you want to plug here? Uh, yeah, just a few things. I got next week, first uh, event that I'm working or athletic event that I'm working for Lander. I'll be doing the public address announcement for volleyball um, on Wednesday, the 8th. So, I mean, if you're at, for summer, if you're in the Greenwood area and you want to come out and watch some volleyball and hear my sweet, succulent voice, then <laughs> head on over to Finest Horn Arena and it uh, starts at six. So, we'll get you fixed. And then uh, the only other thing I got to say is this weekend, I'm chilling Friday night. I, got, I get off work at 6. Oh, I'm going to get some good food. I'm coming home. North Carolina, Virginia Tech, got the slate right there. Can't wait to watch that game. And then Saturday it all begins, and I cannot oh, wait. Nice. Yeah, Thank I got to work this week. That's the only bad thing about college sports, man. You got to work most of yep. these times. But, man, it's so much fun, and it's going to be fun. Whatever games I do get to see, I'm going to enjoy. I'm probably pulling up that Clemson-Georgia game on my laptop <laughs> up in For the sure. press box. Gonna have to hold, I'm going to have to contain my excitement, though. Yeah, in uh, the press box, I have to pay attention to Northern Illinois and Georgia Tech too. Man, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm very excited. Yeah. That small taste we got last week, even though games weren't the best, Nebraska Illinois toward the end did get fun. Yeah, and that kind of gave us a small taste. It's just good to you know if you're on social media to get on there and see people just talking about football again, being excited. Yeah, so, for sure. That's I'll a lot be watching fun. Clemson and Georgia with probably uh, eight or nine other Clemson fans <laughs> as I'm watching Carolina as well. So should be a fun night. <laughs> People are going to be going crazy over a Justin Ross touchdown. And you're like, oh, yeah, but look at that run by Kevin Harris. It's yeah, Kevin Harris just picked up 12. You see that? Yeah, it's 31 to 7, y'all. Look at that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, um, very excited this weekend. And, of course, NFL just around the corner after this week. Going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, we're going to be here to talk it with y'all. Thanks for listening and watching. And thank you for supporting your boys. And once again, getting the 50 listeners on Phil Apparel. Come at us. Come right here. Right oh, here. Right baby. here. We will Come fully on, support you and everything you do. So thank you so much for watching, <laughs> listening. This has been Breakfast Time with Waffle and Richard. See y'all later, everybody. You've been listening to Breakfast Time with Waffle and Richard. Logos designed by Jen Perry. You can follow Richard on Twitter at at Ricardo underscore knows or on Instagram at RNM1996. Catch up with Waffle at at Waffdog on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time on this Bearded Broadcaster production. <laughs>